0: Welcome to Making Bread, making money in the modern age. Now, here's your host, Matt
1: Barkley. Welcome back to Making Bread, where we talk about all the new ways to make money using the technology of 2022. I'm your host, NFL quarterback, Matt Barkley. Over the last six months or so, you've probably heard the term NFT thrown around a whole lot. And if you're anything like me, you've probably had a lot of questions about them. Joining me today to discuss the future of NFTs and the metaverse is a world-renowned DJ and record producer turned NFT guru, Matt Medved. Matt is the co-founder and CEO of NFT Now, a media company focused on NFT coverage and curation. We're going to explore the relationship between NFTs, their celebrity owners, and much more, and I am pumped to dive into this. Matt, thanks for jumping on the pod. How are we doing, man? Doing great, man. Glad to be joined. Let's go. I'm, I'm here for it. This is awesome.
0: I'm excited. This is my favorite thing. I'm talking about NFTs with fellow mats. You know, what? how much better can it be?
1: <laughs> and if I remember correctly, are you a, a Bills fan? Did we first connect? Oh, yes. Because of that?
0: I think so. I think so. I grew up in uh, Rochester, New York. So there been a go. Bills fan my whole life. Love to see you back in the fold. Yeah, I mean, go Bills. Let's go.
1: That's right, Bill's Mafia representing on this podcast, 100%. NFTs, Web three, DJs. I even do. I have a little DJ experience in my background, unbeknownst to probably everybody. But I used to mix. Wow, we have a lot in common. I, I think we we have a lot in common. <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun <laughs> chat. But again, thanks for for jumping on and and doing this. You have a wealth of knowledge that I, I just love. NFT now is doing too to just spread the word. And to get people involved and uh, yeah, you're doing a great job. And I want to hear a lot about what you're doing. But before we do, uh, we're going to get into a little section that we call whale watching to talk about headlines in the space and what's going on. Maybe some things you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but let's dive right in. Yuga Labs, the parent company of Board 8 Yacht Club, launched a new metaverse project called The Other Side, which I'm sure you were following this last week. It sold 55,000 plots of digital land for an equivalent of 320 million bucks. It's the largest mint of an NFT project to date. So Matt, I know you're really into all things NFTs, but I got to ask, were you involved in this? Did you buy any plots of land on this project? So I didn't buy any, but because I
0: own a board ape and I own a mutant ape, I was able to mint. Uh, I was able like to claim two plots of land. So even better, I, you probably saw there was a crazy gas war around the actual mint. So I sat that out, and then uh, you know woke up leisurely on on Sunday morning and minted a couple pieces. But uh, it it looked pretty wild.
1: Yeah, I think I saw there were north of one hundred seventy million dollars in gas fees spent on on just that project alone, which is is bananas, no pun intended, but well done. You got your land and you're, you're now you're cruising.
0: Got my land. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would have liked to see uh, some some better uh, drop mechanics in place to prevent all that waste, you know, in terms of gas fees. So.
1: Was, that was a waste. In other news, the S&P 500 is off to its worst start to a year since 1939. The 83-year low is naturally accompanied by a good amount of panic. So, are you high or low, or what's your thought process on the traditional stock market at all? Do you have a panic level one to ten at all?
0: Man, it's hard for me to really get panicked about the traditional stock market just because I'm so used to the volatility of the NFT and crypto space. Pretty much, when it comes to the traditional like equities market, I'm a big like buy and hold guy. You know, I'm I'm in it for the long term. I don't really do like short term stuff there, like. So honestly, like I feel pretty good about most of my portfolio, so i'm like I'm, I'm here to like weather the downturns and and the like so it, it's I, I'll be honest, I haven't been following the traditional markets as as closely given all of the excitement and market boom that, that we've been experiencing in the NFT space, but you know yeah. it seems like things have been riding high for a while, so like you know corrections are a, are a natural part of, of market cycles
1: well, you're one of the smart ones who's taken emotions out of the game and Focused on the right thing. So good for you. Trying, trying. Good for you. Good for you. Apple has fallen from first to third on the list of top selling smartphones in China. Obviously, they're still number one here in America, but this begs the question can you envision a world where Androids take over here in the United States? Android phones, not Star Wars robots.
0: I, I mean, look, I could see it. I could see it. I'm an Apple user myself. I'm also an Apple stockholder. That's that's probably one of my largest holdings that I there don't plan on touching for a while. So, but you know, Google has done a good job of providing an affordable alternative for the more price conscious and the like. And so, I could see it, but it doesn't necessarily send like pan- it doesn't like it's not like a sound the alarms moment for Apple or anything.
1: No, no, maybe one day. I'm, I I do wonder if the security concerns that people are starting to have more and more, it seems like, with Google's oversight and all Apple has done to kind of condense everything and make it more privacy-oriented. I wonder if that will have an effect down the road. Yeah, good. Something to think about.
0: Yeah, privacy, I feel like, just like in general, consumers are getting more
1: savvy to privacy and concerns. Mm-hmm. Americana Technologies has created the NFTA Universal Chip, which allows you to take any item you own and turn it into an NFT. Which physical possession of yours would you make for the coolest NFT? Wow, that's a that's a really really great question. Ooh, you know what? It's
0: interesting. You know, my one of the reasons why I was like so into my NFTs kind of clicked for me originally is that um, my dad collects like rare music memorabilia, particularly the Beatles, and so he has definitely a piece, a few pieces of like cool vintage like Beatles memorabilia that I think would be epic as NFTs. In my own collection, oh man, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'm that classic guy who has like tons of NFTs and like blank walls, as you can see behind me. But you know, I do have, you know what, like uh, I do have a few like plaques that I got from because, you know, I, I was in the music industry prior to getting into NFTs. Correct. I founded Billboard Dance, Billboard's dance electronic music brand. Did that whole rise with a lot of artists like Marshmello, the Chainsmokers, like Kaigo. And those are friends of mine who I really was able to like kind of give support to at a, at a critical time. And so I do have some like plaques, you know, to kind of commemorate that. Right. Th- that would be kind of cool to see those like immortalized on the blockchain. Oh, yeah. But I could never sell them because, you know, it's just like that's that's like it's sentimental. But.
1: No, it has personal value to you. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I like that. Yes, things that like, because like I'm thinking like you, like the space you were in and those those memorable moments or those pieces that spark a memory. Right to me, it comes back to like a game ball or something like that, where it marks a memory. You know, a one of one time in your life where something happened and it represents more than just you know that physical aspect of what it is. Exactly. Which NFTs have the power to value? You know. Yeah. And,
0: and like, it's cool to know too, like it's like on the blockchain forever. You know, if, if my apartment burns down, like God forbid, there's still a record of that or, you know, if there's, it's still there. I can still, I can still hang it in my Metaverse gallery
1: at least. <laughs> good call. Good call. Well, speaking of Google, Google has announced that they will make $100,000 worth of tech training courses available to every U.S. business. So if you had the time, energy and money, what courses would you like to take that potentially Google would would offer?
0: Ooh, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm so busy with everything NFT now these days. I don't know that I'd even be able to carve out time. But honestly, I would like to see more just in general, not just for myself, but more educational resources like that around the crypto space, the blockchain space, like very like utility oriented in terms of like really help people navigate what yeah. we're doing. And that's something actually we're doing at NFT now as well. We have a ton of guides and resources and the like, but I, I just think it, it's a very like right now the UX is not easy. It's not an easy space to navigate, especially if you're not super crypto savvy, Correct. you know, rather than just assuming that like people have to like figure this out on their own. I'd love to see, you know, some of these heavy hitters getting into the education space there.
1: I like that. Speaking of that, I want to get into the meat of this conversation. Speaking of educating people, can you give us the simplest definition of what an NFT is?
0: Absolutely. So, and I like, I love doing this because it's, you know, like, it, <laughs> it, I recognize just how, like, mystifying it can be, right? Because, right. honestly, like, two years ago, I didn't know what an NFT was. I, I was in crypto and I had been in, in, like, dabbling in crypto, but, like, there's a learning curve. And even people who have been in crypto, there's a learning curve for them, too. So, the way I always define it is like, NFT, straight up, non-fungible token. Like, what does that mean? So let's just like talk about fungibility really quick. Fungibility just means like it's a difference between like identical copies of something or something that's like truly unique. So a great example to give is like the U.S. dollar. Like the U.S. dollar is fungible. So like if we were hanging, you know, up in upstate New York and like, Matt, you needed to buy a hot dog or something at the game. And like you needed to borrow it like a dollar from me. I pull out my wallet. You're probably not going to be like, I want that dollar, right? You don't really care which dollar I give you. Because Correct. they're all pretty much the same. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the dollar's fungible. Same with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum. They're all fungible, which means they're pretty much interchangeable. But let's say that like we roll, we, you know, we roll to the stadium and I've got like a Warhol painting with me and you've got a Basquiat painting with you. I don't know why we would be bringing these to, uh, you know, to, to to the stadium, but for the for the sake of this example, if we yeah. roll up with those and we take a look at them, like Matt, we don't know what the value of those like are into like related to each other just by looking at them, right? Correct. We have to weigh those on a, a ton of different factors. Like we need to know the history, we need to know the provenance, we need to know the cultural relevance, all that. The an NFT is like the digital version of that, so it's non fungible. It's a unique token on the blockchain that cannot be interchanged necessarily with with any other. And we as a society have to figure out its value and its worth based on the same factors that we often do for, for things like this. And the other great example I give to help people understand this is the example of baseball cards. Because mm. longer than you or I have been alive, Matt, like our society has accepted that rare baseball cards have value, right? Vintage yep. baseball cards have value as collectibles. And so there's a great example of, This rookie Mickey Mantle card from the 1950s, which cost less than five cents to make and sold for $5.2 million, I believe, last year. And if you think about it, why was that? It wasn't about that piece of cardstock, that physical piece of cardstock, which, you know, cost less than a nickel to make. It was about what it represents, which is rarity, scarcity, cultural relevance, history, fandom, which is critical, as you know. And so it's a similar thing with NFTs. NFTs are the digital version of that. And so- You know, we kind of as a society have to figure out what they're worth based on these same similar factors. And what's kind of cool too is with NFTs, you can transfer them pretty much instantaneously anywhere in the world. You don't need to worry about like stuffing them in your pocket and damaging them. And critically, and I think this is what's really exciting and important, because of a thing called smart contracts on the blockchain, you can actually program their exchange in a way such that the creators get to share in the value of secondary sales. So for example- Future value, yep. Future value, exactly. So it's actually industry standard for artists in the NFT space to get up to like 10%, sometimes even more, of secondary sales in perpetuity. So Gone is the example of like these starving artists who like sell their painting for like $1,000, then see it resell at Christie's for a million and they don't see any piece of that. You know, in in this case, they would receive $100,000 straight via into their Ethereum wallet or, or whatever cryptocurrency wallet without having to, to rely on like centralized bodies or authorities or humans to figure it out. It would be automated. So that's, that's one area where I think there's like a really, ex- like it's really exciting about the potential for the technology.
1: Love that explanation. You know more than I'll probably ever, you've forgotten more than I'll ever know about these NFTs. Okay, and we've seen a lot of celebrities getting into the NFT game. Eminem, Post Malone, Justin Bieber, Serena Williams, Shaq. I mean, the list goes on and on and on is this exclusively a rich man's game or someone who only got into crypto early? I mean, how, how accessible are NFT investments for people with not a lot of capital to, to just throw at JPEGs? Huh?
0: Matt, it's a great question. And, and the answer is, we're still very early with NFTs. And if you look at market penetration, you know it's estimated that there are less than a million people actually who are like Active like NFT traders these days, which is a tiny market penetration. There's huge potential for it to grow. One thing I will say is this: you look at some of the like really successful projects like Board Ape Yacht Club, like Doodle, some of the some of these big ones that that a lot of the celebrities you mentioned have collected. A lot of those a year ago launched at quite affordable prices. You could have minted, for example, in May of last year, you could have minted Board Ape Yacht Club for uh, I believe it was 0.08 eth which was around $200 at the time Jeez. and the mint was open to the public. It wasn't like a crazy whitelist situation. It was open for multiple days. It didn't sell out immediately. It was one of those things. It was a different time in the NFT space. But a lot of people got in who weren't rich, who weren't necessarily early in in crypto and the like. And now, obviously, that has appreciated really considerably. You know, the last I checked, the board eight floor was around, hovering around 120 ETH, which is approaching 300K. So that's a really sizable ROI and, and return there. Again, remember, Board Ape Yacht Club is a bit of the exception versus the rule. It's the, it's the most successful project, arguably, in the in the NFT space. But again, like, you know, a lot of these projects, like Doodles, Cool Cats, et cetera, Azuki, minted at pretty affordable prices. So what I always say is this: if you're new to the space, you don't need like the first you the first car you buy usually isn't a Lamborghini, right? Right. If you're getting started, it's good to start with cheaper more affordable projects that you think have potential, that you think have that room to grow versus necessarily like having to only play at the big leagues. I mean, you know, like, you don't necessarily start as a starting quarterback in the you NFL, gotta there, right? right? You got to get there. Exactly. Exactly. It takes time. And actually, it's it's good because you need to also learn how the markets work. Mm. And the best way to learn how the markets work is to participate in them and to trade and to, and, and you're going to take some L's, you'll have some W's, and, and it's better to learn using money that you can afford to lose. I always say, by the way, and this, yeah. is, this is really critical and important to get across, the NFT space is incredibly volatile. The markets rise and fall quite quickly. Things move very fast. I always say weeks are months and months are years in the NFT space. Please, 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 if you are thinking about investing in NFTs, do not invest any more than you can afford to lose. Correct. Be very, very wise and smart with your, with your risk management. But there is a lot of potential if you make the right investments and you you get behind the right projects. And so while you do see these big celebrities aping into these very, very expensive NFTs, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful in the space by starting at a smaller level. Correct. In fact, when I look at my own portfolio, Most of the most valuable NFTs that I now own, I purchased quite cheap for less than one ETH at the time. And again, one thing to remember. Now, when I always say this, like when I bought Bitcoin back in 2013, I thought I was late. I thought I was late because the chart was the same size then. It looked the same. It looked like I could have bought it here and it was all the way up here now. And, you know, and I was like, damn. That's just
1: a little blip though now on the chart.
0: (laughs) It's just a little blip. It's just a little blip when you zoom out. And so it's very important to apply the same wide angle lens to the NFT space. We're still in the very early innings. And so there are going to be tons of opportunities that come at you, which is why I I always say too, like, don't FOMO, no regrets necessarily, like learn from mistakes, but like always be looking forward because if you're too focused on the past, you'll miss tons of opportunities that are coming down the road. There are a lot of people who were too late for Board Ape Yacht Club, but they did very well with Azuki or they did very well with Moonbirds or like some mm-hmm. of the other p- projects that have been really that have recently popped off. So it's a long-winded answer to an important question, which is, it is not too late to get involved. You do not need to get involved with a ton of money. I've seen some really incredible stories of, of people who have gotten involved with a very small amount of money, but they picked the right projects, and now they're doing quite well.
1: Yeah, because that's the hard part, though, is is yeah. picking the right ones, obviously. In exactly. hindsight, it's easy to say that you, you, know, you were a savant and knew exactly what was coming. But I mean, do you have a spray and pray? Because there's thousands and thousands of projects, something new every day. It seems like. Are you just kind of like a venture capitalist kind of thought, where you're just kind of hoping one hits and you have a unicorn? Or are you kind of methodically following, you know, the artists or the projects or the communities and picking with, you know, precision?
0: That's a great question. So I'll say this: like I actually have kind of a a framework as to how, like, like four factors I think about when I'm looking at like which NFT projects to invest in, and those four factors are artistry community, history, and utility. And I'll tell you quickly how I think about them. With artistry, like if you're looking in the art world obviously, like in the crypto art space, obviously that's going to be a longer term investments, much less liquidity, necessarily market volume. But if you find the next, you know, Picasso or the like, that's obviously going to be really a windfall. And there are some incredible artists that are making, that are really like, like kind of charting this new chapter in art history. So like, if you see something that catches your eye, like artistry, like that can be enough of a reason. There's an artist named Fuocious, who I've been an early supporter of, who just became the youngest artist to ever have a solo exhibition at Christie's and he's got an amazing story. And honestly, like, when I first came across his work back in February of 2021, he hadn't blown up yet or anything. It was his artistry that caught my eye, you know? Mm. And so that's one factor. And even if you look at some of these like profile picture projects, which I consider more collectible than even necessarily art, but like they have something that appeals to them. If you look at Doodles, like Doodles is really aesthetically pleasing. It's like, it's great, like family friendly IP. The Board Ape Yacht Club has like a bit of like an interesting kind of swag
1: to it, like the art on it, you know? Yeah, 'Cause you're ape like your ape it's a blue ape with with a fez yeah. hat and it's got a party favor in its mouth. Like yep. were those specific like attributes important to you or did you just kinda grab whatever was available? Well, I guess you minted it, so
0: Actually, funny enough, I actually didn't mint it. I was traveling. I was in Miami at the time. It was like one of the few weekends that I was not plugged into my computer on OpenSea. And I actually, like, I was, you know, out about in Miami. Like, that that weekend, I actually missed the Bored Apes Mint. But a very good friend of mine named Illustrator, who's an amazing collector and community builder in the space, he actually minted a bunch of them. And in the early days, we were chatting about Bored Apes. And he was like, oh, like, do you want one? And I was like, I mean... (laughs) Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why not? And, I, and again, like I wasn't, it wasn't, I was like, cause they were at that point, you know, they, they had some buzz. It was cool, but like, you know, they weren't worth a, ridic- like a ridiculous amount then I was just like, honestly, like, yeah, if I see one I like, you know what I mean? Like, and so I actually picked that one out of the ones that he had minted well, because go. it appealed to me because it, it reminded me kind of, of like a degenerate, like DJ ape with like, the and I, I wear a lot of leather jackets. That's kind of like my thing. And like, yeah. you know, I had the party horn all that. And of course now it's an absolutely ridiculous gift, like quite the,
1: the, the nicest gift anyone's
0: ever given me. Yeah. And uh, it, you, you love to see it, but, but again, aesthetics matter. And I do actually yeah. say, I do tell people, like, if you're thinking about investing a significant amount of money in an NFT, that's going to be your profile picture. Like, it's one of those. Like, make sure you love it. Even if one is like, if they're on like a similar tier, even if one's technically a little bit rarer, like, go with one you love. Go with one that you're excited about. At a certain tier, they're pretty much the same. Like... So, so go with one that like really speaks to you mm. because at the end of the day, like part of the PFP craze that we've seen is this, like, it's about digital identity. Yes. Like we've always been doing digital identity from like the days of AIM and like, and in and, and all that. But yep. what's amazing is we can actually own our digital identities now. And so that brings me to community because now that people have this sense of ownership, you can build communities around these projects. Owning a Bored Ape is more than just like a JPEG of an ape. It's actually a membership pass to this club. And, you know, they do events. You know, there's there's a very active community yeah. built around it. One of the critical reasons why the Bored Ape project took off was that they actually offer commercial rights to their holders. So with my ape, I could go print merch of him. I could sign his IP. I could license sign a licensing deal with his IP. I actually could see that the financial benefit from that. And so what's interesting is you have this empowered group of like people who own these apes and are starting to like do all these interesting business things. And at the end of the day, it's also like just helping raise the profile of the project. And so community is key. The board ape community is like, is a great example of one that's just like a diehard community. You go in the Discord, it's incredibly active. You see people on are you know championing it on social media, they're following each other, all that. Yeah. Especially when you look at collectible projects like PFPs and the like community is one of the most important if not the most important factors. When I was looking at for example projects like World of Women and Cool Cats that I bought into very early, it was seeing how their communities were coming together that really sold me on those purchases. Yeah. I remember going in the Cool Cats town hall and like hearing the founders speak, seeing just like the numbers and the engagement and the excitement and I was like, okay, this is real. Like you can't fake that, you know. There's no the smoke and mirrors that you see in like the web2 stuff. And so Community Community is powerful. powerful. And then utility is key. Utility is key, especially if we're talking about projects. I think one thing to make important is like, if you're an artist who's just making art and and that's that's what you're doing and you're not trying to like build a project around it like that, like artistry can be the utility. Like I don't want to force artists to like add utility or feel like they need to do things that are not in their wheelhouse. That said, when people are buying into some of these community-based projects, utility is a critical thing. So like, for example, the fact that I own a Bored Ape meant that I could then go to 8Fest during NFT NYC, which was a big festival. I actually DJed there, so I, you know, I I was kind of like, it was... You I, already yeah, had I access. Already in, yeah, yeah, I was already in, <laughs> but I can guarantee you, I was the least impressive name on the roster. Like, The Strokes played it, Lil Baby played it, Beck played it, Aziz Ansari was there. It was a really, um, you know, it was like, just like a like a big festival type vibe. And it was totally free for people who owned apes and, and the like. And so people had access to that. And so like utility, yeah. you think about like this kind of real world utility and then also like digital utility, like, like we were just talking about the other side drop. By owning an ape, you then received land in their new metaverse, you know, other side. So those kind of things, you know, we call them airdrops in the NFT yeah. space, you know, probably from the crypto space too. It's like by owning something, you get rewarded. You get dropped another token or another NFT. Yep. There was the ape coin airdrop that you know for people who held who are holding board apes that was just it was an incredible it was an incredible gift you know and like things like that and so those looking for projects that are thinking about utility and how they continue to reward and provide a value to their holders is a good one and then the last one that I want to talk about is history because it may sound a little crazy mm. because, you know, this hasn't been around for that long. But if you believe, like I do, that we're at the birth of a new creative asset class, that we are opening a new hist- a new chapter in the history of the internet, in the history of art, in the history of creative expression, and for the first time ever, we have provable digital ownership, there's huge opportunities to acquire assets with that are going to have historical value in this window. And so, like, you think about it, and keep, and keep their, their value. value. Yeah. So like, you know, one of the, the... I know I've spoken a lot about Bored Apes, but Bored Apes were actually inspired by a project called CryptoPunks. And CryptoPunks, you know, launched in 2017, they were free to claim. So there was no financial calculus behind their launch. It was just an experiment, And you know, back in like the early days of like the NFT space. And it was one of the first like, you know... The first, like arguably the first, like 10k generative avatar project that kind of gave way, like that that kind of led to this. It was it was the archetype. It It set the stage. stage. It did. The stage. And so, like to me, crypto punks are like owning a crypto punk is like owning a piece of internet history. Like they're going to be in museums, you know, if -hmm. you think about it down the line. And so, like I also that's I'm a big believer in historical NFTs, like. Are NFTs that are, you know, like the ear- some of the earliest ones on-, on the blockchain, ones that have real significance. And if you think about it, like, one thing I also think about is like scarcity is the name of the game, obviously, and you think about it in the markets. And so... Mm-hmm. There are more NFTs now that get, like, that get minted or launched like daily in the NFT space than probably like the totality of 2014 to 2019, right? And so as we continue to go right. forward, those projects that came before are going to become an increasingly small sliver of that pie. And I do think that a lot of those are going to end up having real historical value. So that's something also to think about when thinking about NFTs with historical nfts it's more of a long-term hold game than like a short-term like market volume game but but ultimately yeah. i think they're a bit more sustainable
1: so artistry community utility history
0: yeah there they are those are
1: four pillars to kind of hang your hat on in evaluating i guess what projects mm-hmm. to dive into those are, that, that's awesome what do you, what do yeah, you think is the it, biggest well i was going to ask the the biggest misconception with nfts because yeah. Again, the people hear that word thrown around all the time or they see a, you know, a, a profile pic, but what do you think it is?
0: Yeah. I think there's a couple, one I want to hit on is that a lot of people don't realize, like a lot of people think it's just like it's more than just a JPEG, right? Like it's about what it represents. We talked about it in like the in the context of baseball cards and all that. Like an NFT can be anything. It's, you know, we've seen digital art and collectibles take off, but like we're also seeing really incredible in- incredible growth in photography NFTs, music NFTs, the television film space. Thinking about it even in terms of like documentation, like real estate deeds, things like that, like these documents.
1: It seems like a perfect application.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so the I actually think that like what gets a lot of the headlines is actually just like barely scratching the surface of yeah. what NFTs are. And and look, I, I understand it because you know I come from the media world. I know what gets clicks, I know what gets attention. And so these more like niche or less sexy use cases aren't gonna compete with, you know, people selling an NFT for 69 million dollars, right? Right. <laughs> but what really excites me about the space is how it, it's like I always say like NFTs are changing lives every day. So if you think about it, like in the digital art world it's allowed digital artists to actually have a collector base so digital artists prior to nfts they pretty much like it had to rely on client work which they got paid peanuts for. And like, maybe they would sell a print here and two. Like digital artists weren't taken seriously by the fine art establishment. Or their
1: work could get copy and pasted across the web.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was no way to prove digital ownership. Yeah, And so now that there is, you're seeing digital artists finally get their due. You're seeing these incredible artists able to make a living off their own creative vision instead of just client work. I get more excited, to be honest, when I see that like an artist quit their day job to focus on art or like is now able to like,
1: Pursue their passion. Yeah.
0: Pursue their passion. That excites me even more than like big seven figure sales or whatever, because like that's leading to like a sea change, a cultural sea change. One thing that we're seeing, like, you know, I come from the music industry. The music industry is so lopsided against musicians and artists. It's not even funny. Like, you know, like traditional major label deals. Especially
1: with streaming and how that's changed everything, huh?
0: Unbelievable. Like, like traditional major label deals, you would sign away 80% of, like, your ownership and, like, your royalties to, like, get a, you know, one-time, like, advance that you then have to pay back before you get to see any of that upside. And meanwhile, like, you're having to do it through merch and touring because streaming services pay less than a penny per stream. And Mm. it's, like... It's crazy because a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm like people are surprised to see music NFTs like having a market." I'm like, "I'm surprised that we ever accepted that music was worth like less than a penny per stream." Like it's right. ridiculous. You're like when I grew up, we were paying what, like ten, fifteen dollars for a, a one CD, right? You know, so a, a lot of that... ninety nine cents
1: on iTunes <laughs> for song,
0: <laughs> exactly. I know it's, and so, like, that value keeps that value proposition is, and it's artists are getting the shafted net. And so, what's amazing, what we're seeing in the NFT space, for example, is art we've seen artists do crowd funds for their projects with NFTs. So, they're like, hey, like, by owning this NFT, you're also going to be able to own. A percentage of the royalties, but it's a much more reasonable percentage than what the major labels were taking. And they're doing it by putting the ownership in the hands of their community, their fans who actually believe in them versus a major label that, like, you know, might shelve their work or, you know, is, is dictated by like profit margins and all that. And the fact that you're able to then also turn your fans into ambassadors, into shareholders, into stakeholders is really powerful. Blau, the DJ producer, who's been the pioneer in music NFTs and who also is the one who introduced me to NFTs. So I owe him a, a thank you. He has he actually started a company called Royal mm. that is doing just that and allowing fans to- Royalties for artists? Yeah, like fans can buy NFTs, music NFTs through Royal, and then they can actually share in the streaming royalties, in the mechanical royalties, in royalties, a certain percentage of that. And they've even had like big artists like Nas and Diplo have released on it which is really cool very cool so we love to see that and so what i'm getting at too i guess is like one of the biggest misconceptions is like that it's just like a jpeg or it's just like a you know or that it's like it's not real or whatever yeah it's much deeper and it creates this one of the most underrated and least understood things about nfts is the fact that they create this amazing direct connection between you and your fans so one of the things I often talk about, there's an amazing treatise called 1,000 True Fans that Kevin Kelly wrote. And Kevin Kelly, what he argues in this treatise is that as a creative, you actually don't need millions of fans to have a successful career as a creative in theory. You don't, I'm not talking like Drake, Justin Bieber level. I'm talking like you can put food on the table, like you're comfortable, all that. And if you think about it, Like that was the original promise of the internet was that we would be able to like anywhere in the world like we'd be able to reach like no matter what your interest is, no matter how niche it is or whatever. If you could find like the people around the world who, who believe in it and want to support you, like you can make a sustainable you have
1: a market. Yeah, you
0: have got a market. Exactly. And so the issue is that is like in Web2, as we call like the current like state of things, yeah. you know, big centralized platforms got in the way of that. So all of a sudden you got the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the the Spotify, et cetera, like all of a sudden they're they're getting in the way they're controlling the point of exchange. They're forcing creators to basically provide their content for free in a likes and comments-based economy to build audience as a means to the end of monetizing it as a middleman for brands. Mm. And, you know, and and what they're doing is they're even forcing you as a creator to pay them to reach even a fraction of your following, which is ridiculous. And, it, and and it's ads and algorithms getting in the way of that original promise of the internet. And that's one of the reasons why they always say, like a lot of people say in music and it goes beyond music, there's like no middle class in music, either like you're either you're like star level, like doing it or you're struggling to get by. And so what's amazing is with NFTs, you can create this direct connection to your, from fan to creators, to community members, where you're no longer at the mercy of an algorithm where you can directly connect with your, and directly monetize with your community. I always say in web three, you actually, rather than building audience, audience is aware that you exist, but community, they want to see you win. They, they have a, they have a stake in you. They want to, you know, and so like with community, you're building community as an end in itself and you can monetize that community directly. So for example... If you're a, you know, a death metal band in Arkansas, you know, and, but you find a1,000 people like, around the world who like, just want to rock out, who vibe with that vibe, and you put up and let's say you put up a music NFT for 100 dollars, which is a pretty reasonable price point for an NFT, right. that's 100,000 okay. dollars in revenue. There you go. That's $100,000 in revenue. And like, and when I say these true fans, I mean people who are going to buy what you put down. Like they're going to buy the ticket, they're going to take the ride, they're going to buy the merch, they're going to show up to the show, yeah, et cetera. They're all and in. They're all in. And so if you think about it, $100,000 in revenue is a lot more than most of my indie musician friends have ever seen from the streaming services. And so like- Really? So yeah, super
1: transformative when you think about it. It's bringing true ownership back to the creators exactly. and giving them what they deserve. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And one, one last point I'll say on that is- I can't stress the, the enough the importance of creating this ongoing bond. So I always say, like, if you're doing it right, an NFT drop, an NFT sale is a beginning. It's not an end.
1: The work starts Correct. here.
0: Because what you're doing now is it's like... It's
1: almost like a golden ticket to yes. Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but it ends up being Facts. a good thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and like, what's amazing is, so like, I, as I mentioned, Blau got me into NFTs. And when he was first explaining them to me, one thing he told me was like, he was like, look, let's say I have a show in like Mexico City or whatever, or I like, or I'm going on tour. I'm going on tour, you know. He's like, I know, and I'm and let's say it's, I'm in Mexico City. Like, I know that I have fans in Mexico City. Spotify tells me I get this many tens of thousands or thousands of streams each month, but I can't reach them. I don't know who they are. Spotify has mm. that data. I don't have that data. Whereas when you have let's say NFTs that are being held, you can see. You can take what's called a snapshot. And in, in an instant, you can see every single wallet that's holding your NFT. And you can reward them. You could send them things. You could send them an NFT that has all of your tour details. You could also reward them. You can say, Hey, you own my NFT that gets you, you know, VIP, meet and greet, like backstage that's pass, powerful. depending yeah. on the tiers. That's incredibly powerful. And you think about like you look at like what guys like Gary Vee have done. Gary V understood that with V friends, like with V friends. He got like a bunch of heat because it was like his doodles, but I was like, you're missing the point. Like it, that's not, it, it's not, it's about, the it's it's not about the art. It's more than art. It's about access to him, you know, because you yep. know, he has a crazy fan base that like love the, the conference like, and everything yeah, the, yeah. the conference FaceTime Flamingo or whatever it is, like allows you to FaceTime <laughs> with him, like things like that. Like he recognized that there's a market for his time and for the attention and that access. And he gave them actually like what they wanted, which was a piece of him, you know? And so like, like he, it's a, yeah. exactly. So like it's really interesting when you think about NFTs. Like the biggest misconception is like a lot of people don't realize how much deeper it goes.
1: I love that. Love that answer. But what I really want to know, okay, is there a football league in the metaverse? And are any of the teams looking for a quarterback? I'm I'm just asking. For a friend here. Let's go. <laughs> so what's funny is I've been
0: seeing a number of like NFT projects and even like DAOs coming together around more around like soccer teams, like Europe, you know, like football, as they call it outside of the States. More so, right. you know, like I've seen a bit of that. Obviously, like there's uh, what's it called? Like the it's the it's the NFL's equivalent to NBA Top Shot that Dapper Labs is putting together with like the moment. Correct. That's yep. launching. But yeah, I don't know. I think the Buffalo Bills should be
1: the first uh, team in the metaverse, you know, not that I'm biased or anything. I think we should stake claim to the first stadium, the first, you know, season tickets and then have a virtual because I know they already do kind of have, I mean, video games and NFTs, there is a natural fit to, like you said, like the ownership and then the tokenization or, uh, you know, utility of whether that's a skin or a player in a game or, you know, equipment. And there's ownership to that, whether that's, fan driven or i don't know something totally. to think about but i'm available for any let's go. metaverse owners here we go let's
0: go all
1: right here for it i want to move on to a little uh, little game little variety test your knowledge on opensea and and mark cuban okay, okay. we're we're going to see he's one of the more prolific celebrity investors in in, in nfts and according to opensea he he owns about 1500 of them all right so i'm going to describe an NFT, and you got to tell me whether Ooh, okay. it's a real one that Mark Cuban owns or if it's fake. All right, okay. ready? This is gonna be difficult. <laughs> it is gonna be difficult, but we'll see where you got. Number right. one, a GIF of Steve Harvey throwing an imaginary shoe. Does Mark Cuban own that NFT? This this sounds real. This sounds like something he owns. That is real. <laughs> yes, your intuition is already paying off. One of one, like it. Number <laughs> wow. two. A cartoon shark with its face covered in blood, carrying a Tommy gun and a samurai sword. Does Mark Cuban own that? Ooh.
0: This sounds like it would be like perfect for Shark Tank. It almost sounds too perfect to be true, so I'm going to go with uh, saying that that it's a fake one. I would have said
1: fake purely because of like, how do you... I would have said yes. How do you even imagine typing that out as a fake answer? That's like fair. I was trying to come up with something like the answer is yes. He owns uh, okay. an NFT of You're right. a it was too shark covering him. It was too specific. Too, way too specific, but it exists. It's on OpenSea and Mark Cuban owns it. Wow. All right, here we go. Number three, a portrait of Serena Williams. Straight up, does Mark Cuban own that NFT? Hmm.
0: Well now that now, now I'm like you know psyching myself out because it were too true, so I'm telling <laughs> like this one has to be false.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that is true. He does. Oh. He owns a portrait. Uh, I should just of know Serena that Williams. everything's
0: an NFT at this point, you know?
1: <laughs> everything's an NFT. A giant cartoon chicken wearing a Luca Doncic jersey. Does Mark Cuban own that?
0: That sounds that sounds like very. that sounds very Mark Cuban.
1: It does sound very Mark Cuban, but that uh, is false.
0: Yeah, that, it had to be.
1: The, street, the, the true streak was going to There are happen. so many projects and stuff going on. Anything can happen.
0: All of these, you know what I mean? And honestly, because we now spoke about it on a podcast, it'll probably be made into an NFT and probably sent to his wallet.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. A giant cartoon chicken wearing a Luca jersey. Goodness. <laughs> yes. What are we getting to? All right, number five. A photo of a cat wearing a tie with the text, I'm going to need you to come in on Catterday does mark cuban own that nft
0: i feel like he must like that also sounds pretty specific <laughs> yes he does
1: <laughs> that is a real nft and Love Mark it. cuban owns it oh i wonder what his decision process was when buying that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i will say comical
0: i will say people do like also when you're when you're uh, a notable figure in the nft space and people find your wallet sometimes people just send you nfts so that's but what true. you can do that's is you know uh, one of the one of the great things about nfts is, is there's provenance and it's all transparent and public and immutable on the blockchain you can't edit it you can't tamper with it nobody can say it's fake or it's re- you know if it's not and you can actually go back and see was this something that mark cuban bought or was this something that just got sent to his wallet yeah
1: we might have to verify <laughs> hey it, the cat wearing a tie at, at the end of the day
0: <laughs> it's a real nft that mark cuban now owns so
1: <laughs> that's true all right last one does Mark Cuban own a GIF of himself saying, "And for those reasons, I'm out on Shark Tank." Does he own that NFT? I mean, I'm just gonna go with yes on this one.
0: Like that—that that just seems like, you know, like I, I could see it going either
1: way. I would have for sure thought yeah. he would wear that, including like a T-shirt. But the, unfortunately, one, he is yeah. not. Okay. But now it's your job to go make one and yeah. <laughs> and put it in his wallet, and it's gonna show up, and it will be real there it one is. day.
0: Knowing the NFT space, like there's someone who's going to do it much quicker than me
1: (laughs) that's true the space is always changing always something going on uh but medved thank you dude for for sharing your knowledge talking really explaining that was i would say in layman's terms you you provide a lot of great analogies examples of nfts of use cases breaking down really the whole world of nfts i appreciate that thanks so much man
0: Of course, man. Thank you so much for having me. And like I always say, like, there's no dumb questions in NFTs, Web3. That's why we started NFT Now. We're here to like, it really just like help drive mainstream adoption. Got lots of guides, resources. So please check it out, nftnow.com, NFT Now on socials. You know, we're, we're here to help.
1: Dude, Matt, thanks so much for jumping on the show today and breaking down the world of NFTs and the misconceptions they have and just really showing the full utility use case that NFTs provide. If you guys enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and leave a review or subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Matt Barkley, and this has been Making Bread.